You are tuned into the Dr. Tina Show with Dr. Tina Moore. For more, visit drtina.com. On this episode of the Dr. Tina Show, I have a special treat for you guys. I have, or I should say ladies, I have been getting asked this for a long time. Back in 2020, I did a presentation for a company and it was all about why women need testosterone too. And I've gotten so much feedback from that. It was a presentation for another company though. I've never actually done one for my own audience. And I have recently updated my slide deck. And so for this episode, there's actually a slideshow. If you're listening to my podcast on a podcast player, just follow along. But if you want the actual whole presentation with slides, you're going to want to head over to YouTube. My YouTube channel is at Dr. Tina, and you can find many episodes of my podcast there in video format, as well as extras coming soon. So I want to get folks over to YouTube. I want to have a more interactive experience. So for this episode, we're doing a slideshow. So back in 2020, like I said, I was asked to do a presentation for a company about how testosterone and was necessary for women. And it's a very underappreciated subject. It's it's under talked about. It's even amongst hormonal experts, it's not often talked about. And I found over the years since then, with the myriad of messages I've received, that folks are having a really hard time finding doctors to prescribe to them. Uh, women, folks, females with uteruses and breast tissue. And that's no disrespect to the trans community, but women who were born biological women needing to get testosterone replacement therapy for various health issues, most notably pain, uh, are finding it it difficult, which is surprising to me when it's being handed out like candy to children. So on that note, uh, what we normally think about with low T is usually men, right? Of course, it's the primary hormone in men. And we think about it being predominantly a male issue only. Um, We think about it being an issue with erectile dysfunction or problems down there. We think about it with muscle loss, lack of gains in the gym, loss of stamina, pot belly, difficulty healing. That's usually where I saw it show up in my practice. I did a whole podcast episode about this last week. You guys can check out and it's all about, it's for the men because this is actually Men's Health Month in here in the month of June. So I did an episode for you guys. Ladies, go get your men to listen to that. But it's a big deal. And when men would come into my clinic to get regenerative injection therapies, they weren't healing well and they weren't responding well. We would need to pull out some testosterone usually. Of course, we tested them to make sure that they were candidates and it was safe, but it generally is very safe. Uh, lesser considered issues with low testosterone would be type 2 diabetes. This is in men. Uh, Cardiovascular disease or heart disease, osteoporosis, depression, apathy, memory issues. They're not feeling themselves. Mood swings. That's a big one. (laughs) Mood swings is a big one. If your dude's laying on the couch after work and not responding to you, and then when he does respond to you, he barks at you, and he's not normally like that, uh, I'm going to go with low T. Joint pain and then sarcopenia, which is muscle loss. But women need testosterone too, and it is often considered only a male hormone. 
There's a book that you can check out called Testosterone Therapy in Women, Myths and Misconceptions. It's a great book. It was written in 2013 by Glazer. Her name is Glazer, last name. Abandoning myths, misconceptions, and unfounded concerns about testosterone and testosterone therapy in women will enable physicians to provide evidence-based recommendations and appropriate therapy. But the reality of testosterone therapy for women is that testosterone deficiency is not even recognized as an official diagnostic code. There's no diagnostic code for low T in women. So in men, it's hypogonadism because that's it's their gonads that's secreting testosterone. But in women, there's not even an official diagnosis. Hypoactive sexual desire disorder is defined in men, but not women, meaning women not desiring sex or low libido is clearly defined in men, but it's not even acknowledged in women. So when we talk about women's rights and healthcare, this is a huge one. Both of these issues are huge ones. One in 10 premenopausal women in the US suffer from hypoactive sexual desire disorder. And that's for a myriad of reasons. Often it's actually a side effect of SSRI medications or other things, but it's real. And women are not being even acknowledged, even premenopausal women. These are the women of childbearing age. Not to mention all the other symptoms and impacts of low T, which we'll cover here today. And it's not just libido, right? It's not just low libido. While women are barely recognized as having a libido in the first place or having libido issues in the first place, doctors certainly aren't looking at other symptoms of low T on the regular. I know I wasn't. And I actually feel pretty guilty about that. I think I missed this in a lot of women before I started using it and treating with it. So testosterone for women. Tea therapy for women remains controversial. And it is often considered the lifestyle therapy or vanity therapy. Right now, I have been talking about RFK on my social media because the guy is ripped. Uh, RFK Jr., if you haven't seen him, I've got to go over to my Instagram, check it out. I've got a picture of him up there with no shirt on. <laughs> Funny story. I showed my dad. I said, look, he's 69 years old. Look at this guy. And my dad said, does your husband know that you have a picture of a shirtless man on your phone? And I thought that was so funny. But yes, yes, dad, I have a picture of a shirtless man on my phone. Um, RFK is a smoke show and good for him. He's clearly lifting weights, but he looks to me as a professional. My opinion is that he's probably on some testosterone therapy and good for him as he should be. Go check out last week's episode so you understand why I think that. Common low testosterone symptoms in women. So there's sexual, uh, disinterest in sex, negative body image, avoiding intimacy, inability to orgasm. That's a huge one, ladies. It's a huge one. You literally start to lose feeling in your vagina and your G-spot. And it sucks. So in a, I've lived with this personally. Uh, I've, I've had low T. I use testosterone replacement therapy on myself. I cycle it and it's really critical for me. And I'll share more about that later. Low self-esteem, loss of identity, ultimately depression. It's just a, a general feeling of apathy and dumpiness. I, I can't, I mean, it's just mentally you feel dumpy, physically you feel dumpy. And you're, you know, I personally was, going through cycles of intense injury in the gym and I just kept getting hurt and I couldn't heal and I couldn't get my strength gains up. And then there's systemic issues, right? There's fatigue, insomnia, migraines, belly fat, weight gain, decreased stamina, loss of memory, and so on. And then there's more symptoms of low testosterone. The skin, you lose tone and integrity in the skin. You get droopy and saggy. You start looking old. Your breasts start sagging. You get cellulite. Cellulite might be a low T symptom for women. 
And I think that's very interesting because we combat it in all kinds of crazy ways, but really it might just be a hormonal issue. For, as for mood goes, uh, loss of zest for life, feeling like something is wrong, but you just can't put your finger on it. Anxiety, depression, inability to organize your thoughts. So you start to get that menopausal brain or that perimenopausal brain, which is real, yo. Loss of motivation, loss of joy for living, loss of sense of well-being. Loss of joy for living, i.e., you know, having some really negative thoughts. And I've been there as well and it sucks. So it might not be that you're losing your mind or that you're losing your brain function from perimenopause or menopause. You might be low testosterone. And I'll talk in a bit about why women will become more prone to low testosterone as they age. Body image, I'm sorry, body and immune symptoms. Autoimmune disease, this is huge please take note of this. This is huge autoimmune disease. If you have autoimmune disease, I highly encourage you to get to find somebody and get on some BHRT, get on some hormone replacement therapy, whatever you need. Um, testosterone and progesterone are protective against autoimmune disease. So get on it. Dry eyes, pain is huge. This is where I started noticing it in my practice and paying attention. Arthritis, joint degeneration, osteoporosis, of course, osteoporosis, lack of strength and loss of balance. If you go back and listen to prior episodes, I talk about how osteoporosis is actually uh, diabetes of the bones and osteoarthritis is diabetes of the joints, but diabetes and blood sugar dysregulation really should be on this list as well. It's a huge one for men and I, I believe it to be a big one for women as well. Loss of balance though, guys, right? Women get old and break hips. So they're losing muscle, they're losing bone integrity, they're losing balance, they're losing brain cognition. Sounds like a problem to me. Sounds like a hip fracture waiting to happen and hip fractures are the kiss of death. I've been a low carb gal for a long time and I'm embarrassed to admit that I've only recently learned in the past few years that all low carb folks should know is how critically important electrolytes are to supplement. Electrolytes facilitate hundreds of functions in the body, including the conduction of nerve impulses, hormonal regulation, nutrient absorption, and fluid balance. Common issues like headaches, muscle cramps, fatigue, sleeplessness may simply be a lack of electrolytes. Adequate electrolyte intake can boost performance and recovery in the gym as well. And most importantly, they support the low-carb lifestyle that many of us follow. My new favorite electrolyte product is by Element. Element is a tasty electrolyte drink mix with everything you need and nothing you don't. This means a science-backed electrolyte ratio with none of the junk, no sugar, no coloring, no artificial ingredients, no gluten, no fillers, no BS. Simply adding a daily packet of Element into my routine has given me more energy, less cramping, and improved mood overall. I even think it's helping my sleep. I've teamed up with Element and they've been gracious enough to offer a free gift with purchase to listeners of the Dr. Tina show. The free gift Element sample pack includes one packet of every flavor. This is the perfect gift for anyone who's interested in trying all of their flavors. My favorite is the raspberry salt. They offer a no questions asked refund on all orders. So if you don't like it, you don't even have to send it back. This offer is exclusively available to Dr. Tina show listeners. So be sure to use the link in the show notes and take advantage of it now. Head to the link drinkelement.com forward slash Dr. Tina. That's drinklmnt.com forward slash Dr. Tina. 
Low libido seems to be a chronic issue these days. Maybe it's all the stress from the past few years. Maybe it's the fact that most U.S. adults are dealing with some level of metabolic dysfunction, i.e. prediabetes, which leads to wonky hormones. Or maybe it's the excessive rates of obesity in this country. It's likely all of the above. I saw some data showing that folks my age were only having intercourse once a month. One of my favorite products for addressing vitality, vigor, and stamina is my libido vitality. Libido Vitality features two safe, clinically tested, standardized, and patented ingredients designed to support vitality and general physical and mental well-being in men and women. Ladies, listen up. You can use this too. You've likely heard about shilajit. It's a tar resin form of a mineral that's been used by the monks in the Himalayas for thousands of years. It's the sweetheart and all over Instagram these days. It is one of two clinically studied ingredients in my libido vitality that's been shown to support energy and healthy androgen biosynthesis. Whether you're a man or a woman, if your libido is low, your energy is low, consider trying my libido vitality today. I'm giving listeners of the Dr. Tina Show 10% off when you head to my website. It's store.drtina.com and use code libido10 at checkout. I'll have the link in the show notes for you. Again, it's store.drtina.com. Use code libido10 at checkout. And that whole list, right? It sounds a lot like getting old, doesn't it? Right? It's just, oh, this is old age. Sarcopenia, which is loss of muscle mass, osteoporosis, memory issues, and depression. These are all diagnosed. These are all diagnoses and they all have drugs. There's nearly a drug for every single one of these symptoms. And yet, I want you to consider that maybe it's low testosterone. Women have three times more testosterone than estrogen. Did you know that? I didn't know that until I started looking into this. Women have three times more testosterone than estrogen. So on this slide, you can see the pink line represents testosterone and you can see the blue line represents estrogen. And you can see how it really peaks here. Your testosterone really peaks for women from the age of, it starts going up in your teenage years, Around 18 years of age, it's probably you know going up towards its highest, really peaking out in your mid-20s and then starting to come down in your 30s. And then obviously the decline becomes significant between your mid-30s and your mid-40s. This is why I'm so adamant that we start lifting weights. I'm gonna talk about that later, but this graph came right out of the book, Testosterone Therapy in Women, the one I mentioned earlier on in the episode, and you can check it out in there. So this is a big, big deal, you guys. With this drop in testosterone comes a huge drop in muscle mass. This is why we strength train. And it's not always clear cut. There's physiologic dosing is an art in and of itself. Find somebody you can work with who will not only consider dosing you, but find someone who is knowledgeable in dosing and find someone who will get you in that physiologic spot because we're not trying to turn you into a 25-year-old woman and we're not trying to, you know, we don't want you having the T levels of an 80-year-old woman. You need adequate levels. There's there's the difference between adequate levels and frank deficiency. And in the middle is this physiologic dosing idea. One in 10 premenopausal women present with low libido. This is rarely considered worth treating. It's not even acknowledged, like I mentioned. In men, libido and erectile dysfunction is often a late symptom. If you go back and listen to last week's episode, you'll hear me talk about that. Still, no FDA-approved androgen therapies for women, shockingly. Why prolong the misery, especially if there is pain? A lot of musculoskeletal pain shows up when 
testosterone is low. One of the first symptoms I noticed and that I noticed in my patients was the sensation of being cold and achy. And while that is a classic low thyroid symptom, a lot of our hormones start to plummet out together all at once, <laughs> good times. But cold and achy is often a symptom. And the first time I took testosterone, I immediately got warm. I got a sensation of warmth throughout my body. It was the dead of winter. I was bone cold and in so much pain. And if you know what I'm talking about, it's the kind of cold where your bones are frozen and you can't get warm and it hurts so bad. And you end up crawling up against your husband or your partner, begging them to cuddle you because you're so cold, it hurts, right? And my husband, bless his heart, he normally complies. But if he's really tired and he's sleeping, he's like, leave me alone, woman. And I'm over there trying to like get into any nook and cranny I can against his body because he's always so warm and so vital. And I'm sitting there freezing to the point of pain. This is where sauna, not going to lie, sauna is hands down my favorite therapy for the cold and achy situation. But, you know, if you can't get your testosterone on board, but testosterone is really a big winner here. Women more than men will report being cold and achy. I've noticed in my practice, they can't get warm. Everything hurts. They feel like they're dying. Winter is especially hard to endure this. And the diagnosis often in a doctor's office is fibromyalgia, osteoarthritis, hypothyroid, myalgia, which is muscle pain, and it might just be low testosterone. And I've said it before with the episode I did a few back on thyroid. Go back and listen to that one. Please get yourself up. And I did one on menopause. I've done a couple on menopause and hormones. I want you to bone up on all the episodes so you have an idea of what I'm talking about here because this whole picture goes together. But I really want you to consider in any woman over 40 following a massive bout of stress or trauma, I want you to consider low testosterone. Yes, we would obviously consider adrenal glands here. And yes, we would definitely consider thyroid in anyone over 40 years old. But testosterone is a big one. So let's go back to the low testosterone and pain. Chronic pain patients often have low serum testosterone levels. Opioids also decrease testosterone. This is the scam that is pain management in this country. They pump people up on opioids. They basically make them sign a waiver. Go back and listen to my orthopedic medicine as a scam series. There's four parts. They make them sign a waiver that they will basically agree to become an opioid addict. And then they're on opioids for the rest of their life. That's their solution. Isn't that lovely? That's the, that's the best they've got, which is crazy because my whole practice was dealing with pain. And I can't believe that was it. That was their answer. And pain is so prevalent. One in five to one in seven patients present to any doctor's office for pain. So pain is real, not just acute, but chronic. So opioids, they get put on opioids and guess what? It decreases your testosterone. How bad does that suck when you take opioids after a surgery or an injury, right? Imagine that. You need your androgens which are your testosterone is your androgens. You need your androgens to heal because it's anabolic, but yet you're taking opioids, which are which is dumping out your testosterone. And it's up opioids upregulate microglial cells in the brain to drive pain. I've done a whole ep- I've done a couple episodes on pain, so go back and listen to those too if this is interesting to you. Pain depletes hormones such as cortisol and testosterone via hyperarousal of the HPA axis. So a couple studies, just if you don't believe me, but uh, low testosterone and pain, this was from 2015, a novel use for testosterone to treat central sensitization of chronic pain and fibromyalgia patients. Go back and listen to my pain episodes. We'll link them in the show notes. Uh, I talk all about central sensitization and what that is. It's a wind-up phenomenon in your central nervous system. And then there's another one that was from 2016, hypogonadism. This is in men, hypogonadism and the risk of rheumatic autoimmune disease. So remember I mentioned autoimmune disease. Rheumatic autoimmune disease is 
like rheumatoid arthritis, really devastating, damaging type of arthritis that's immune-driven, autoimmune-driven. So if you have autoimmune disease and you have pain, I seriously want you to find somebody who is willing to work with you and look at your testosterone levels, man or woman. Here's another one. Hypogonadal men with psoriasis benefit from long-term testosterone replacement therapy, a series of 15 case reports. This was really interesting. This is from 2016 as well. Um, psoriasis is a skin condition, but the link between psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis is super high. Like if you have psoriasis, you've got like an 80% chance that you will develop psoriatic arthritis at some point. And from the Research I've done, psoriatic arthritis is more painful than rheumatoid arthritis, which I once thought was the most, was had been taught, was the most painful orthopedic condition you could possibly have. Um, but it's not. Psoriatic arthritis is. And if you think of all the people you know with psoriasis, which is an autoimmune condition, and you consider that a huge percentage of them are going to end up with psoriatic arthritis, you can imagine the kind of pain they're dealing with. And this is rarely addressed or acknowledged by the medical system. Rarely does somebody actually get appropriately diagnosed because lab markers can lead to um, a lot of false negatives. And so this gets missed. And as somebody who lives with psoriatic arthritis, I can tell you it is crippling. It is crippling pain. And so when folks go off on me on social media, which happens a lot, I think it's because I'm a truth teller and they don't like it. Uh, you couldn't possibly understand Dr. Tina. And I'm like, oh, contraire, try living in my body for a day. Try spending 24 hours in my body and see what pain feels like to me because it is real and pain is subjective. We are, it is not my job as a physician who specializes in pain to judge somebody else's level of pain. So I never do. And no two people in pain can have a comparison because some people's nervous systems are wound up hard and other people's aren't. And when it's immune driven and you've got central sensitization and you've got this autoimmune component which is causing joint degeneration, joint fusion, all kinds of muckety-muck. Um, it can be really miserable. And so I feel for a lot of folks. And unfortunately, the best way to diagnose psoriatic arthritis is through signs and symptoms and history. And that's why it takes decades often to diagnose it because there'll be glimmers. There'll be a one-off instance. There'll be a one-off symptom that happens. And it's weird like sausage digit is one, not to go on a bender about this, but this is important. Sausage digit where just one digit, like one finger or one toe will blow up out of nowhere. Um, the pain is not often bilateral, it's unilateral and it shifts sides, it moves. SI joints are a big one. The spine is a big one. The big joints like the hips and shoulders and it'll just jump sides. So one day, so for me, I had 10 years of horrific pain in one hip and one SI joint, and then actually 20 years to be, if, I, if you add in the SI joint. And then one day it just shut down, turned off, hardly any more pain, almost zero. And it just moved within a day. It moved over to the left side and it started its whole fun uh, adventure on that side. And that was, it's still going. And it was almost worse than the right side. So I say all this to share with you because these things are going missed. And testosterone has been shown to be beneficial in psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis. Interestingly, estrogen levels tend to be abnormally high. 
So folks will have higher levels, and this is looking at men. The only studies I could find were in men. So men would have higher than normal estrogen levels, and they don't know if it's the chicken or the egg or if the immune system's driving the high estrogen or if the high estrogen is a response to try to dampen the immune system. They don't really know, but they end up with low testosterone because estrogen and testosterone recycle into each other. And so they end up with low testosterone and higher estrogen and a lot of pain and a lot of skin issues. And so testosterone therapy has been shown to be helpful here. That was my rant. <laughs> Hope you liked it. Here's another study from 2020, uh, December 2020. Testosterone protects against the development of widespread muscle pain in mice. I don't really know how they could accurately um, measure pain in mice without asking them, but I, you know, they had their gizmos and they found that this was widespread muscle pain, right? So that would be more of a fibromyalgia type picture, and testosterone was protective. As for joint health, testosterone makes healthier synovial fluid. So the fluid inside the joint becomes more fluid and less viscous. Again, go back and listen to my many episodes on the topic of joint health and pain. Testosterone impacts regeneration capabilities because it's anabolic. We need anabolic things. This is why I would often work with male patients, particularly to get their testosterone levels up so that we could make sure that they were in an anabolic healing state before I delivered regenerative injection therapies to them because those were only as good as their ability to heal was. It is secreted by the chondrocytes. Isn't that wacky? Chondrocytes are your cartilage cells inside your joint. They secrete testosterone. So we need it. Apparently we need it in the joint and it improves osteoporosis. So these chondrogenic progenitor cells, CPCs, these are androgen receptors in the chondrocytes and testosterone influence the expression of three receptor genes as well as the chondrogenic potential of the CPCs by regulating gene expression and uh, impacting types one and two collagen, which is really, really different. You can see the study is quoted below, a 2010 study, sex differences of chondrogenic progenitor cells in late stages of osteoarthritis. Really interesting study if you guys are into orthopedic medicine, those of you practitioners out there who follow the show. And here is another table. This is from, this is a really interesting read too. Testosterone replacement, essential in pain management. This is from Practical Pain Management, volume 14, issue four. This is basically, um, this is called criticism of, I'm looking at a chart. You can join me on YouTube and subscribe to my YouTube channel and you can see it too. Criticism of study on possible relationship between testosterone and cardiovascular events. So what is this? There was some data that came out years back saying that testosterone was unsafe and that it caused cardiovascular disease in men. Testosterone replacement therapy was dangerous. And it was a poorly done study. I'm going to go through this a little bit here on some of the high points. They also didn't track estrogens in these patients. And so if you've got a pot-bellied guy, listen to the episode from last week. I talk all about the aromatase enzyme and how it turns testosterone into estrogen and how those high levels of estrogens are what cause the cardiovascular events. And these were not tracked when they were looking at these TRT patients in this study. So all subjects already had heart disease and entered the study at the time of coronary angiography. So the patient base itself in this study was flawed. They already had heart disease. This was a retrospective study of 8,709 patients who were followed for only a short time, one to three years. Cardiovascular events actually were lower in the testosterone group than the non compared to the group not receiving it. 
Contrary to the raw event numbers, a complex statistical system of variable exclusions allowed the authors to adjust the raw data and draw opposite conclusions. So the data was flawed and interpreted flawed. The definition of testosterone treatment was a single prescription in a one to three year period. So they weren't even on a consistent regimen of dosing and tracked and made sure that their levels were correct. And the mean testosterone serum level achieved was super low not even enough to really give these guys relief with the TRT. So whatever you've heard in the past about testosterone being dangerous for men, it's garbage. And I'm going to show you a study that came out this month, June 2023, at the end of this presentation. It's a slippery slope, right? So you get hypothalamic pituitary axis hits. What would hit that system? Chronic stress, some kind of major illness, acute or chronic, COVID, right? Anything that whomps you. And you guys have heard me say this before on the show. I really firmly believe that a lot of the quote unquote long COVID symptoms we're seeing are really just manifestations of prior conditions that people, men and women were rocking and then COVID sent them over the edge. So it really hammers the HPA axis. It was ironic that I did the original version of this talk in early 2020 before COVID had stormed its way in. I think it was January of 2020 because I have seen so many women pushed into menopause, pushed over the edge into hypothyroidism, pushed over the edge into severe adrenal fatigue. And they're being called long COVID patients or their hair is falling out or whatever the symptoms may be. And really it's just their hormones got shook and their HPA axis got hammered. And coming back from that's hard without support and finding a practitioner who can help you. So in most cases. So please, if you're feeling like you've never been the same since, right? That's a very common theme patients would come into my office with in chronic pain. They were fine until something happened and they, they've never been the same since. And that was usually a viral infection. I've talked about that in past episodes. So this leads to, this HPA axis hit leads to a deficiency of hormones, all the hormones or any, any and all perhaps. And then eventually you end up with frank signs and symptoms. And so that can happen. It can take years. I was, my adrenals were hammered after I gave birth. I was 25 years old. I gave birth to my daughter and I came out of it in the most severe adrenal fatigue. I dropped into severe hypothyroidism. Nobody acknowledged it. It was just baby weight, right? That's what everyone called it. Nobody would help me. And looking back on photos, I'm almost angry with my mentor for not acknowledging what was wrong with me and helping me. He's now dead, so I can't say anything to him. Bless his heart. I love him. But man, I was so hypothyroid and my adrenals were so shot. And then I started, you know, years went on. And when my daughter was probably around three or four years old, on up till eight years old, um, I started getting chronic pneumonia and it really came down to severe adrenal fatigue. And once I got that, I mean, I remember my friend helping me with that in school and giving me some adrenal support supplements. And uh, I mean, God, I remember going back to her at graduation and just telling her like, you saved my life quite frankly. So it could be something as simple as that all the way on up to a variety of other hormones, progesterones, estrogens, testosterones. I would assume, again, I would assume to consider that any woman over 40 who presents with pain, particularly of the lumbopelvic region, lumbar, pelvis, you know, lower back, hip or knee regions, especially hips especially, especially if it's a non-traumatic onset, meaning um, they didn't have a physical trauma. They didn't fall down there wasn't a big major event that hurt them. Maybe the event was traumatic in that it was a physical hit, like a like I said, like COVID or a viral infection or gosh, even a divorce, you guys. Something, something that will just hammer your 
ability to adapt to stress uh, can start this whole downward spiral because your adrenal glands, women, your adrenal glands secrete testosterone. So you need your adrenal glands functional. Otherwise you can't secrete testosterone as you age. And it really sucks. It really sucks as you age and walk into perimenopause. I would argue that much of perimenopause misery is actually HPA axis dysfunction first and foremost. And these folks need adrenal support. And go back and listen to the episode I did on thyroid because I talk about my hierarchy there. Don't wait until their joints are severe. I would see them in my clinic. I don't see patients anymore for those. I always get questions after these episodes of people asking if I will take their case. And I, I'm sorry, but I'm no longer in practice and I hope to never be again. Um, I might trade for cattle in the zombie apocalypse, but until then, no. <laughs> um, but their joints would be in such a severe state of degeneration that it was very challenging to get them back. And usually they're, they were in frank signs and symptoms. That's what this SSXS stands for on the slide here, signs and symptoms. And then there's that peri to postmenopausal phase, which I am a proud member of, rolling on in. Your testosterone dips, your progesterone dips, your estrogen dips, and it leads to a whole lot of misery. So these dips may happen at various times for various reasons. However, improving testosterone levels may improve the symptoms of low progesterone and low estrogen. I am a huge fan of using progesterone and testosterone first before estrogen. I did an episode on this. I talked about why just recently, go check it out. Um, estrogen is, I have found estrogen to be more challenging to dose. I know that other doctors might disagree with that and feel really comfortable prescribing it. I find testosterone to be very safe and I find progesterone to be really safe. In fact, most states sell progesterone over the counter. So don't go playing with it without some guidance because you can you can overdo it and then you end up with symptoms of feeling just as rotten as low progesterone. But Progesterone can make the estrogen you have work better and testosterone will actually turn into estrogen. Like I said, they recycle into each other. So that can be very helpful. There's no conclusive guidelines for women. There's no conclusive guidelines for healthy levels of testosterone for women. I often get asked this question by my colleagues because they'll hear through the grapevine that I've done this presentation and they'll say, oh, Dr. Tina knows. I don't know. I dosed people according to pain resolution on everything. <laughs> that is how I did every hormone. And now I will tell you what else I did because as a prudent physician, of course, I would test and I would make sure that I was not overdosing them. But there is no great set dosage or serum level that I'm going for. I want pain resolution without frank symptoms of overdosing, right? So in women, that would be like excessive chin hair, um, gonadal hypertrophy in the genital area, um, lowering of the voice. I mean, obviously you see some of these women that are bodybuilders that are on testosterone and they start looking very much like they're on testosterone, right? We're not going for that look. What we're looking for is pain resolution. And so I will dose them up because they might be severely deficient. So I have to tight, I have to titrate them up. I need to titrate their levels up until they hit pain resolution. And then I test and I look and see, okay, where what does that look like on paper? That's the best number for them. Is that in a safe range? Monitor closely, proceed. That's the safe way to do this, right? And a, any good doctor worth their salt will know how to do this. According to Kathy Maupin, The Secret Female Hormone, the book, The Secret Female Hormone, total testosterone over 30 
nanograms per deciliter is what she's looking for. And then free testosterone, which is the unbound form, is over 7 to 10, depending on the lab. So you guys can check out my slide, write these numbers down, but find a doctor who knows what they're doing. Usually most of them that are smart will be brave and they will dose you until you have symptom resolution. Now note, testosterone's a DEA license only hormone. It's the only hormone you need a DEA license to prescribe. So this is a controlled substance. So they're not gonna hand it out mamsy pamsy. Not every doctor's comfortable doing it. So if your doctor says, I'm not comfortable with that, they either don't have a DEA license because not every doctor's required to carry one. We pay hundreds of dollars a year to have a DEA license so we can prescribe testosterone and opioids and controlled substances. Um, so not every doctor does that. Not every doctor is comfortable with this. Not every doctor is has practiced doing it. And not every doctor is as brave, right? They, they don't want to play with something they might think is dangerous. They've read it could be dangerous because testosterone has been vilified. I mean, so much so I'm afraid to t- use the word on Instagram because of censorship. And so it's a, it's a real deal. So the book is The Secret Female Hormone. Oh, I want to correct myself. Earlier in the presentation, I gave you the name of an article. I called it a book. It's in one of the first few slides. That was actually a really great article. This is the book I was talking about. This one is red. The cover is red and it's called The Secret Female Hormone by Kathy Maupin, MD. It's a wonderful book. Everything I've listed though in this presentation is well worth checking out if you want to know more. I don't know if you guys remember Dr. Jonathan Wright. I think he's still alive. What a wonderful man he was, wonderful physician. I learned so much for him. And I saw him present once. I was actually so honored. I was such a huge Jonathan Wright fan for years and years and years. He used to write for Prevention Magazine when I was a kid. My mom used to get that magazine. Like I've been a fan of his forever. And I've always been into this stuff. And uh, I got to speak with him on the same stage at a conference. I think it was a women's health conference. And I was so excited and honored. And he's just this cute little old guy now. But he said something that I thought was so poignant. He said, do you know how my staff can tell when a woman is estrogen dominant? She calls the clinic all the time worried and difficult. Do you know how we can tell if her testosterone is adequate? She rarely calls and she's easy to get along with. So if that is not as clear as day, I don't know what is. All right, so some supplements to help with testosterone. Obviously, we're not trying to directly, not everyone wants to take testosterone, first of all, which is fine. Uh, some people are concerned with hormones. They don't want to be on hormone therapy. I hear about this all the time. In fact, it's been really weird. Since I've done some of these episodes, I've gotten so many DMs. And since even the RFK, like, oh, he's on testosterone, like shame on him or, oh my gosh, that's dangerous or all these uh, myths. I, I should do a whole episode on the myths of hormone replacement therapy. It's so interesting because people assume that it's a bad idea or that it's dangerous or that it's going to make people aggro or that I've, I've even heard women say that when men get old enough that their testosterone goes down, that's when they're in their like most powerful, you know, it's like a different phase of life. So for women, that would be that kind of old crone energy. And I get it. I get that there's a time and a place to be jacked up. You know, when you're 25, you should be just a male, you should be roaring with testosterone. And you guys saw the graph, same with females. But 
I do think that having physiologic doses so that you're not so depleted because so many humans on this planet, particularly in the US with our wrecked food supply, and you guys have heard me go on this rant, so I won't do it again, but most men are walking around. I would say, honestly, most men are walking around low testosterone. I can see it. I can see it so much that when I was dating, when I was online dating, I was on these dating apps and I would fly around for work. And so every time I landed, the app would download the local men. And I could tell you what part of the country had better testosterone. I'll tell you straight up, Southern California and Texas, way better testosterone levels than anywhere else in the country that I saw. Chicago had pretty good testosterone levels too, just by the looks of the guys on the app. But that said, I could just look at a picture and I would just swipe. I can't remember if it was left or right, but whichever one was the one that you rejected them, it was like low T, low T, low T, hypothyroid, hypothyroid, alcoholism, alcoholism, low T, low T. I mean, I can just see it on their faces and you can too if you're paying attention. And so I didn't want to date a low T guy. I didn't want to date a guy that was in his late 40s, early 50s or mid 40s, early 50s that had low T, like that's not a good sign. It's not going to go well from there for them. They need to have adequate testosterone levels at that time. And usually they need some kind of replacement at that point. So I really want us to have a different conversation. Go back and listen to some of my episodes if you're scared of hormone replacement. But physiologic dosing is way different, again, than trying. I'm not, you know, RFK is not trying to get the testosterone levels of a 25-year-old. He's just trying to be a really healthy 69-year-old man. And good for him. All right, so some supplements that can help. Zinc is a big one. Zinc inhibits the aromatase enzyme. And women, we have this enzyme too. It turns your your testosterone into estrogen and it is present in belly fat. And most of us, as we walk into menopause, start packing on some belly fat. I know I have more than I like and it's really bugging me and it doesn't wanna go away. (laughs) So I definitely do aromatase myself. I know when it's happening. Zinc helps with this. Zinc is an aromatase inhibitor, a natural aromatase inhibitor. I And everything I'm gonna mention here, by the way, is available inside my store. So every single thing I talk about here, you can find inside my, my store at uh, store.drtina.com. If you use the coupon code testosterone10, I'll give you 10% off all of the supplements I mention here. So I assume all anxious women are zinc deficient by default, especially if they're healing poorly or they have a history of an eating disorder. So let me give you the young woman version. Skinny, anorexic, nervous, neurotic woman with poor appetite. That is a zinc deficient woman. Consider copper deficiency, of course, if you're gonna start dosing zinc. Of course, I always say the same thing. Do not start dosing things without the guidance of a proper healthcare professional. You can take too much zinc and it can inhibit your immune system. But That clinical picture I just shared with you, that also happens to women as they get older. If your appetite's low, I should have put that on this list. If your appetite is low, you're anxious, you're healing poorly, whether you're rail thin or not, um, and any kind of history of eating disorder, I want you to consider zinc deficiency. I'll tell you straight up the best sources of zinc though are food-based. It's oysters and red meat, period. The most bioavailable, highly absorbable forms of zinc you're going to find. My Little white spots on my fingers didn't go away until I started pounding beef every day and eating a ton of red meat but and oysters. But um, you guys can supplement. I have a great supplement in the store. It's a chelated mineral form that is highly absorbable. I still take supplementation myself. I also make sure I eat plenty of it in food form. Vitamin D, this is huge. Again, I prefer nature, so I prefer sunlight exposure. I work really hard all summer long to bone up on my 
tan. <laughs> That's it. Get us, I was just speak. I just spoke at the Children's Health Defense Oregon chapter event this past Sunday, and I was like, "Get as tan as humanly possible." It really sets us up for a better battle when it comes fall and winter for upper respiratory season, right? So get yourself a good tan. If you want to make sure you're tanning safely, I have a whole episode on it called Safe Sunning. Please go back and listen to that. It's an older episode. We'll link it up in the show notes. Really great episode. And that will at least get you started on making sure. We we don't want skin cancer, guys, but we definitely want to get our sun exposure for lots and lots of reasons. Vitamin D is a hormone made from cholesterol. So if your other hormones are low, you can guess that because all of your sex hormones are made from cholesterol. Um, Maybe you have a low cholesterol issue. Maybe you need to eat more saturated fat and red meat. Optimal levels in the blood are 30 to 50 nanograms per milliliter. That's the American Association of Clinical Endocrinologists. I like 50 to 80 nanograms per milliliter. And then actually, it's funny, you know, I put these, these are the levels that I looked have looked for for decades, but when the data came out about COVID, vitamin D has definitely been shown in the data to be protective. And those were similar levels, 50 to 80 nanograms per milliliter, over 50. Just when it, here's how I think of vitamin D, over 50, over 50 nanograms per milliliter. If you're over the age of 50, that you definitely want to consider vitamin D supplementation because it just gets harder and harder to make our hormones as we get older because so many hormones are competing for that cholesterol you know, substrate. 50 nanograms per milliliter is my cutoff for low, so I don't want to get below that. And then 5,000 milligrams a day. If I'm going to dose it, I'm going to do 5,000 milligrams a day. And again, vitamin D is a hormone, so have your doctor monitor you. I really don't think you can overdose. The data on, on that is inconclusive, but we don't want to be taking too much of anything, especially hormones. So have someone follow you. And most often have someone follow your blood levels because most people are too low. They think they're doing good and they're still too low. They get tons of sun all summer and they're still too low for various reasons that we don't make vitamin D. And I, I won't go into that. I'll probably have to do a whole episode on vitamin D someday to explain it all. But over 50 for sure, consider supplementation. 50 nanograms is your cutoff for low for too low, and then 5,000 I use a day with food. We want it to take it with fatty food to get it to absorb. And my little soft gels in my line, very affordable, and they are 5,000 I use. So that's why I made them that way. Omega-3s, so this is fish oil basically, improves overall fatty acid profile and decreases inflammation. Some people are really anti- fish oil. Some people are really pro fish oil. I think it depends. I carry a great fish oil in my line that's highly absorbable. It's got three times the absorption because it's a monoglyceride form and it doesn't give you fishy burps. And so one of those soft gels will give you the equivalent absorption of three of the competition, but it's not something I take all the time. Again, talk to somebody who knows what they're doing with fish oil. I used to be a fan of pounding fish oil. I'm not so much anymore. It is a PUFA. It's a polyunsaturated fatty acid. We don't want a lot of PUFAs. They can oxidize and do bad things in our system. And it's not just about the omega-3s. We, you know, There's the 369 profile. Your cellular membrane needs other fatty acids, but omega-3s have a time and a place in my opinion. Vitamin C, perhaps it's acting as an antioxidant in this case, especially if folks are healing poorly. Anyone who's healing poorly, I automatically think zinc, C, D, and testosterone (laughs) because testosterone's anabolic. C and zinc are responsible for collagen synthesis. And then vitamin D, 
Think about this. When you are trying to heal, who heals up better? Guys that are in the sun a lot or guys that are not out in the sun? There's something to vitamin D that's anabolic. I don't care what anyone says. It helps people heal better. It helped my patients heal better and have better outcomes when they had adequate D levels and I was going to inject them. In fact, my patients that were tan did really well. My patients that were well-muscled, you've heard me talk about this before, but the injections I did required the innate ability for your body to heal. And my patients who had really great muscle tone and adequate muscle mass did the best, but the ones that were tan in tone were phenomenal healers. And those were usually athletes that were outside a lot. So I would tell guys, especially guys, um, because they were more often outside. And I would say, get as tan as possible and now come in and let's treat you. And because when we pull that blood to spin out the platelets, we're going to have really high vitamin D blood especially if they're active. Vitamin C is really important for active people. I think it's highly neglected in the active and especially if collagen synthesis is what is desired, which is what I was going for in my practice, right? I was trying to get people's joints to heal. Magnesium is really important. Treat the person in front of you. Magnesium malate, think of malate for pain in particular. Uh, magnesium and fibromyalgia, I was taught a long time in chiropractic, a long time ago in chiropractic college and the data supports this, that fibromyalgia pain, any kind of pain like that does really well with a magnesium malate in particular. It's the malic acid portion. You can find magnesium malate in my relaxed tonic and I do not sell that product for pain. I don't sell any of these for pain, but uh, that product is phenomenal. It's got GABA and L-theanine and myo-inositol, so many wonderful things for calming down an overactive nervous system and really helping create more comfort in the body. Wonderful product to have a scoop at night before bed, really wonderful sleep aid as well. So consider just, I shouldn't say sleep aid, it's more of just a relax your body kind of aid, (laughs) which allows for a deeper, more comfortable sleep. So go ahead and check that out. And then uh, Shilajit. I never know if I'm saying it right, but she legit, you guys have probably heard of this. It's everywhere. It's in a tar form. It's a Himalayan tar that the Tibetan monks use for vitality and vigor. It's a naturally occurring mineral rich phytocomplex with many bioactive components, including fulvic acid. Really interesting though, this Prima V, this form of Shilajit, Prima V, which is in my libido vitality has been clinically shown 100 milligrams of this in studies. Uh, There's two separate studies here I'm looking at on this slide. Twice daily after major meals for 90 days, serum testosterone levels rose 23.5% in the subjects. And then another study looking at this specific form of Prima V Shilajit at a dose of 200 milligrams consumed twice daily after major meals, um, was evaluated in 75 healthy volunteers aged 45 to 55 for its testosterone secretion efficacy and stimulation effects. This double-blind placebo-controlled study revealed that Prima V Shilajit, when compared to placebo, significantly increased total testosterone, free testosterone, and DHEA. The levels of testosterone synthesis-supportive gonadotropic hormones were well-maintained. So it seems to have an impact, a positive impact on androgens. And I'll leave it at that. And you can, again, find these ingredients in my store. Uh, the, the 
Other ingredient that's interesting that is present in my Libido Vitality product is Uricoma longifolia root. It's Malaysian ginseng. It's a tonic and adaptogen. All ginsengs are tonics and adaptogens. This one in particular supports healthy libido, energy, sports performance, and weight management by promoting healthy testosterone levels and freeing testosterone from sex hormone binding globulin in men and women. And that was clinically shown. You can find the studies for these in on my store on the product Libido Vitality. Click on the product product information sheet and up will pop a white sheet and it's got way more information on it and all the studies supporting this. So again, not trying to sell you something that's snake oil. This is, I'm not trying to sell you anything. I'm just telling you where you can find these ingredients and why I carry that particular product. Going back to the adrenals, remember the HPA axis, we got to support it your adrenal glands make your testosterone in, we, in your ladies and in men, it's in your testes. So we need these adrenal glands on board. And, and men, when your testes start petering out in andropause, you need your adrenal glands on board. So there's a product I carry called Resilience, which is an adrenal tonic. It's got glandular adrenals and it's got adaptogenic herbs. It's a really phenomenal adrenal product, well-priced, and you can find these products anywhere as well. All right, so some quick lifestyle, of course, because I think the, you know me, those are the non-negotiables. I'm not a huge fan of supplements first at all or hormones first. I'm a huge fan of lifestyle. And without lifestyle in place, nothing works. You can take all the supplements and shots and creams and testosterones and all the things and nothing will stick or take hold for very long. So number one, strength training, non-negotiable. You have to build muscle mass. This is how we naturally hone and stoke our own testosterone. Number two, sleep, completely non-negotiable. You got to get your sleep in order, work with somebody if it's not going well. Number three, blood sugar dysregulation. You know I beat the drum on metabolic health. That's like the whole premise of my platform. So go back and listen to all my episodes, grab my metabolic revamp toolkit, get your blood sugar and your metabolic health in order. Stat, that's critical. Without your metabolic health, you will never have healthy testosterone levels, period. But without healthy testosterone levels, it can be challenging to get your metabolic health in order because again, it's chicken and egg situations. So do what you need to do. Adequate healthy protein and fats. I'm a big fan of red meat in particular. Any of the ruminant animals, you know, venison, which is deer, sheep, which is lamb, beef, which is cow, goat. If you eat goat, I've never eaten goat. My husband says it's good though, <laughs> so I don't know. But any animal that has more than one stomach is going to give you really healthy, digestible, absorbable forms of minerals and nutrients and vitamins. Decrease your cardio. Listen to a couple episodes back. Decrease your cardio. Cardio is not testosterone's friend. In fact, I just I should have put the study in here. I just came across a study showing that there was a 40% decrease in men's testosterone levels who were chronic runners. So you marathon runners out there, you you long distance cyclists, you are bombing out your testosterone levels, men and women. Decrease your adipose, especially the dreaded gut. I talked already about how the aromatase enzyme is secreted by the belly fat, but at, Fat on your body is going to mess up your hormones, period, and it's going to lead to metabolic dysfunction, and that is the end of your hormones. Metabolic dysfunction is you cannot have balanced hormonal health without adequate muscle and low body fat. This is not a judgment. This has nothing to do with fat phobia or any of the above. It's just physiology how our bodies work. 
excess adipose is gonna shoot you in the foot in a lot of ways. And one of them is that it's gonna bust your metabolic health. And I have yet to see somebody with excess adipose who has a healthy metabolism and therefore you're never gonna have good balanced hormonal, a hormonal milieu. Decrease your alcohol, especially IPA. IPA is straight up an estrogen tincture. Straight up, hops induces estrogen. <laughs> That's it. So IPAs in particular are estrogen tinctures. This is what's wrong with Portland. The whole city loves their IPAs. All the dudes there look like it. And uh, if you want to go see the clinical picture of low testosterone, just go hang out in Portland. Sorry if that offends anyone. I grew up there. People were trying to battle it out on Instagram when I was talking about this the other day. And I'm like, yo, I grew up there. I've been alive. I've lived in Portland longer than some of the people arguing with me have been alive. And they're like, I live in Portland. And I don't think that's true. And I'm like, I looked at your bio. You're low testosterone too. No disrespect. It's not a judgment. It just is what it is. If you want healthy testosterone levels, well, let's put it this way. If you want healthy if you want good health overall, if you're a man and even a woman, you're going to want adequate testosterone levels. And so we don't want this low T picture chronically. It's it's not a good look. And it down the line, it's going to lead to poor aging. And so that's what I'm most interested in. I know we don't think about that in our 20s and 30s and maybe even 40s, but man, we really want to be setting ourselves up for aging well and aging healthfully when we're younger, when we have the opportunity to. So cut the alcohol down or out, but alcohol is not your friend if you're trying to get your testosterone levels in line, men or women. Um, and then of course, drugs, all kinds of drugs. And I don't just mean recreational drugs, I mean pharmaceutical drugs. Pharmaceutical drugs can wreak all kinds of havoc on your hormones. And then stress. Stress is, I know this is easier said than done. I know all of these are easier said than done. I'm not, uh, when you hear me speak with conviction, I'm not trying to shame anybody or dog anyone. I know we're doing the best we can do. Uh, I'm trying to bring awareness and I'm trying to let you know this in a way that it's the come to Jesus talk. I, I'm done tiptoeing around these subjects lightly. This is not cool what's happening. Humans are in trouble. And I feel really strongly that I was put on this planet to help. And I can't help if everyone keeps arguing with me and getting their feelings hurt. So figure out a way to fit these things into your lifestyle as best you can and really focus on stress reduction. It might require a change of jobs. It might require a change of relationships. It might require you move. If you live on the tyrannical West Coast, we are living with a lot of stress we don't even realize. And uh, it's different here. And folks not living here or not living in Canada or not living in places where tyranny has descended, you guys don't have a clue. It's like living on another planet. And it is definitely like living, the West Coast has been like another country throughout this. And I promise you, Portland is the testing ground. So whatever's happening in Portland that everybody's been ignoring and everyone's been calling me crazy, oh, it's not happening. Yes, it is happening. And I trust me, it's coming for all of you. <laughs> if you guys don't pay attention, we need to be strong and healthy. And this is how we do it. This slide right here. There's foods that raise testosterone. I mentioned a few. So protein, period, animal protein. I should change the slide to animal protein, not just protein. Eggs, eat the yolk, you guys. The yolk is the best part. Beef is my favorite testosterone boosting food. Fatty fish, so that's where, you know, I mentioned fish oil, but if you want to eat fatty fish, all the better. Oysters are huge. Onions are helpful. Pomegranates are actually quite helpful too. And ladies, pomegranates are helpful for estrogen. So pomegranates are a really wonderful, magical food. When in doubt, just remember this, eat meat, lift, sleep, sun, and sex. We have to have intimacy 
to have our testosterone levels adequate for this is really important for men, but it is also important for women. So finding a way, maybe we're, maybe we're solo, (laughs) you know, I, whatever it takes, we got to use it or lose it. It helps your hormones, I promise. And then review your prescriptions. This is something no one's talking about. And I'm going to do a whole episode about this someday, but what are I shouldn't say, what are they taking? This is kind of a confusing slide. What are you guys taking? What are ladies? What are you ladies taking? Statins, opioids, steroids, over-the-counter, uh, you know, the, or I'm sorry, the oral contraceptive pill. All of these things are going to impact your hormones, of course. And then what are these ladies, you ladies, what are your male sexual partners taking? Because their semen impacts you and it impacts your health. That's the one I need to do a whole pod- podcast on. And then above all, lift weights. Lift weights, (laughs) please lift weights. Please start lifting weights. I just shifted things around in regards to my strength training platform. I used to have it over on OnlyFans. And I did that because I was trying out the platform, not uh, in a adult way by any means. It was just workout videos, fully clothed. And I just got so much pushback from people because it was on that platform. And they were like, well, you know what that platform's responsible for? Not really paying attention to the fact that so is all the other platforms, but I digress. Um, I mean, all these platforms are doing things that are not great, but they just don't get caught or it's not publicized as much. Anyway, I moved all my workouts over to my Resiliency University. Resiliency University is my private membership portal. It's been going on since 2020. It's a low cost, low cost monthly subscription, cancel anytime. And there are dozens and dozens of masterclasses in there that I did. It was originally created to offset the censorship industrial complex that was happening. And I saw it early on in 2020. So I put information that I thought was critical for humans behind a paywall. And we have a couple hundred members in there. It's awesome. Uh, We do a monthly Ask Me Anything call. So you guys can show up and ask me questions and interact with me. It's the only opportunity to interact with me in that capacity. It has all of my strength training videos in there. Many of them are focused on beginners and getting started safely, form, tutorials. So really accessible for anyone, any age, any level. And it's on a platform that is my own. It's where all my courses are housed. So it's behind a paywall. You guys can log in, access dozens of, like I said, masterclasses, pre-recorded content, come to the live calls every month, and then visit my strength corner where I've got virtually everything. I teach you how to deadlift. I teach you how to squat. I teach you how to do push-ups. I teach you how to do pull-ups, everything that's important. And many of these workouts are moderate or very basic and comprehensive tutorials where I make them variable. So different modifications for different levels of skill. So I invite you to Resiliency University. I've just opened it back up to the public. It's been shut down to the public. I've kept the initial group I had and I shut it down for the past year or so and I've just opened it back up. I'll put the link in the show notes. I hope you guys will consider joining. You can cancel anytime. Really wonderful resource though. It's my brain in the internet. (laughs) My brain has been downloaded into Resiliency University and it's a beast of a portal. So much content in there that you can binge on and learn a ton. And I've covered between my podcast and my Resiliency University, I've covered every topic I can possibly think of, but I'm sure I'll think of a few more. So come join me in lift weights over there. So reduce inflammation, 
This is really critical. And the last two slides, I showed you how to do that. Reduce your stress and consider, consider sorry, I can't speak anymore. Consider hormonal replacement, especially if you're in pain. Really important to look at your testosterone levels. And with that, I will bid you adieu. I so appreciate everybody and the listeners of this show. It, it warms my heart when I read your reviews although some of them are snarky, but most of them are wonderful. And if you guys would do me the favor of heading to your favorite podcast player, I love Apple Podcasts. Leave me a review, subscribe, rate the show, share it out with your friends. Make sure you subscribe on my Substack. That's where the podcast lives. And so if you subscribe there, you'll get an email immediately when I post a new episode. And again, they're all being uploaded into YouTube. So head over to my YouTube and subscribe there as well so that you get the video version of all of these episodes as they come out. The video tends to come out a few days after the audio, um, but we're getting there. And if you have any questions or more important, I can't answer your questions. If you join Resiliency University, I can answer your questions. But if you have any uh, ideas for the show that you'd like to see brought up or even speakers that you'd love me to interview, go ahead and email us at podcast at drtina.com and I will see you guys next week. Thanks for listening to the Dr. Tina Show. Please be sure to follow me on Instagram at Dr. Tina, that's D-R-T-Y-N-A and Dr. Tina 2.0, as well as visit my website at drtina.com. This is a Resonant Media production produced by Drake Peterson and mixed by Chris McCone. The theme song is by John the Guilt. As always, you can email the show at podcast at drtina.com. And if you like this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. See you next week. This podcast is for general informational purposes only. It does not constitute the practices of medicine, nursing, or other professional healthcare services, including the giving of medical advice. I am a doctor, but I am not your doctor. No doctor-patient relationship is formed. The use of this information and the materials linked to this podcast is at the user's own risk. The content on this podcast is intended not to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Users should not disregard or delay in obtaining medical advice from any medical condition they have, and they should seek the assistance of their healthcare professionals for any such conditions. If you're looking to take back your health, it's time for you to listen to the Real Foodology podcast. From the producer of The Dr. Tina Show comes one of Apple Podcast's top 10 nutrition shows hosted by integrative nutritionist and real food activist Courtney Swan. The Real Foodology podcast is on a mission to change the way we eat. Courtney interviews doctors, food experts, health professionals, and nutrition pioneers to bring you the best info so you can thrive. Somewhere along the way, we lost sight of how impactful our food choices are. But it's never too late to start on the path of better health choices. You'd be so surprised how resilient our bodies are when we start taking care of them. Yes, it's overwhelming, but that's why Courtney's here to help. She breaks it down for you and makes the information more accessible so that you can make more informed decisions in the grocery aisle or restaurant. Listen to the Real Foodology podcast today on your favorite podcast app.